Good morning. How are y'all? That's terrible. Come on. How are y'all? Thank you. You're awake. Thank you, worship team. Beautiful job. Beautiful song. What a what a statement that we're able to make that we seek Jesus in everything that we do. Oh my goodness. Well, my name is Mike Cooper, and I am excited to be here this morning. Pastor Chris is with his uh, beautiful daughter in somewhere east of here, Tennessee, I believe, looking at a school and all that comes along with that. And he asked me to be able to get up here and, and share God's Word with you this morning. He's in the middle of a new series called, Called. That's not real easy to say. I was telling my wife this the other day, and she goes, what's the new sermon series called? I said, called, and she's going, <laughs> called what? Called, called, called. That's what it's called. Okay, so <laughs> I, get to, I get to share the, one of the, the, my passion as far as what church is to be called, or what they are to be about, and that is this last song was was fantastic is they're called to love each other and that one of the best ways i believe that we do that is through getting to know one another and the best way i believe that we do that is getting together in groups and whether that i grew up in a traditional southern baptist church where our groups you know what they were called sunday school and churches still do sunday school we still do sunday school here my wife and i teach a, a class on sunday mornings and there are uh, I think about six or seven other classes that are meeting here. Some of you are new and you have no idea that there are small groups meeting. Real quick, if you are a leader of a small group just on Sunday morning, um, would you raise your hand, please? Okay. So look, keep them up, keep them up, keep them up. So if you're not plugged into a small group someplace, then I want you to look at these hands, look at these faces, and, and get in touch with them after service. We have some more. Yeah, I think you can put your hands down. We have some life groups that meet not on Sunday morning. If you are a leader of a small group or going to be a leader of a small group in the next week or two or three weeks, would you lift your hand up, please? Very good. See that right there? All right. If you are a small group leader for our teenagers, would you raise your hand? Okay. If you are a small group leader for our children's ministry, this includes Awanas, this includes Sunday school, raise your hand. Okay, thank you. So, bottom line is, if you haven't raised your hand yet, you're called to raise your hand. Try. That, that's... You need to be plugged into a small group, and we would love to, to see you in a, in a small group. In the next couple of weeks, we're really going to be pushing um, the small groups getting plugged in. We have two new, what we're going to call life groups, um, starting this next week, next Sunday, the 24th. And um, we're going to have a special time after service next Sunday in the fellowship hall for all of us to be able to meet every life group leader, every small group leader, and so it gives you an opportunity to find out who those people are, what they're doing, um, and for you to get plugged in. And so that's what, that's what we're going to be doing for the next, I don't know, 50, 60 years. 
while I'm still alive, and so you get you have no reason not to get plugged in. One of the cool things I believe that God does is He puts specific groups together, and um, we are not unlike other groups. And so what I want to do is I want to do a little trivia, little trivia contest. And there's no there's no there's no prize for the winner, other than just saying at a boy or at a girl. Does anybody know what a group of orangutans are called? This is this is open forum here, so if you know the answer, just sh- shout it out. Orangutans. That's a good answer, but I, I don't even know how to, if I know how to respond to that. They're called a shrewdness. Hey, you're gonna you're gonna learn something this morning. Anybody know what a group of barracuda is called? Next, a battery. What about a group of? And I'm gonna have a really hard time pronouncing these things. Ostriches, ostriches, ostriches. Anybody? All right. This hair is pretty close, huh? Okay. What about a group of grizzly bears? A sloth. A group of crows. Very good. We have a winner. All right, you're really going to like this one. My daughter really loves this. A group of cockroaches. What's that? She knew this. Look at this. A group of kittens. Cute. Keep going. A clouder. A group of geese, everyone. Very good. A gaggle. A group of hippos. This is pretty funny. Go ahead. A bloat. A group of hyenas. This is pretty appropriate, too. Go ahead. A cackle. A group of owls. This is pretty funny, too. A parliament. (laughs) A group of porcupines. Go ahead. A prickle. A group of otters. A romp. A group of ferrets. Business. That looks like some teenagers up to no good right there. A group of giraffes. This is pretty appropriate. A tower. A group of sharks. A shiver. A group of frogs. An army. I really have a hard time. A group of rhinoceroses. A crash. A group of whales. Pod. Very good. Very good. And the coolest group, the, 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 the best group that God ever created is called the church. 
Okay? And I don't know that that's our church, but if, if you want to know what the church looks, looks like, look around you. This is the best group. And we're calling you to be part of this group. So what I want to do here this morning is talk to you about small group. Talk to you about being called to be active in a small group. Whether that's called a life group for you, whether that's called a Monday night Bible study, whether that's called a Sunday night life group, Bible study, whatever you want to call it, we're not real concerned about that other than you're involved in small group. I'm preaching a, a series. I'm a, Again, let me go back and introduce myself a little bit more. My name is Mike Cooper. I'm a chaplain at the federal prison in Bastrop, and I've been a chaplain for almost 15 years. And I'm preaching through a sermon series at the prison, and it's, it's entitled, I Am, and then I kind of fill in the blank. Um, and the first message that I preached was, I am a whosoever, based on John 3.16. Whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so that is me. I'm a whosoever because I place my faith and trust in Jesus. Second message I preached was, I'm an even if, with the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where they're faced with being thrown in the furnace by Nebuchadnezzar, and they made the comment to Nebuchadnezzar, even if our God does not save us, he can, but even if he doesn't, I'm still not going to bow down to you. And so I'm an even if. I'm not going to bow down to the whims of society. I'm not going to bow down to the current trends. My focus and my aim is to be uh, the, the man that God desires for me to be. And so this message is called I'm an everydayer because I want people to know that every day that Christ is the most important part of my life. And the way that I do that is that I get to know people and they get to know me so that they can validate, they can put that stamp of approval saying, you know what, he is an everydayer. This guy does love the Lord. That's, that's a priority in his life. And the only way that people are going to know that about me is if they have a relationship with me. And so that requires some effort on my part. It requires me to, be, to become vulnerable. It allows me to, requires me to, to reach outside those comfort zones that I'm, that I'm wanting to stay in in that box. It allows me to, to get to know some people that maybe aren't necessarily comfortable with getting to know me because you, it's, it requires work. How many of you guys are in a relationship? You have a relationship with your spouse, you have a relationship with your parent, you have a relationship with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your kids. Everybody in here is in a relationship with somebody. It requires effort. It requires work. But it's beneficial. That's the goal. The goal is for us to, to experience the kind of love that we were just singing about here uh, this morning. And so what I want to do is I want to talk about what it means to be an everydayer. And what are some requirements to be an everydayer? The first thing I want you to see this morning is everydayers are involved in what I call big church. And this, and you can ask the, the class that we teach on Sunday morning. We pray, we say, it's time to, to pray and go to where? Big church. This is big church. We get to come together, we get to together corporately to give God what he deserves. And that's, that's worship and adoration and praise. We get to tell God how great he is. And if you come into this room with any other agenda on Sunday morning other than to give God what he deserves, you're coming in here with the wrong motive. This, this time is about, about praising God. This time is about giving God everything that you have, laying aside the, the junk back at the house, laying aside the, 
the frustrations at work, laying aside the junk in relationships where you've been hurt, you've been offended, you've offended, and say, you know what, God? I'm sorry, and I need to give you what you deserve. And it requires effort. It requires work. But also when you understand that, that what happens on Sunday morning in here for big church isn't just shouldn't be just a, a one time thing, this every day. Well I can't go to I can't go to big church every day. Well maybe you can. And so we're going to look at what it means to be an everyday. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter two. That's gonna be the, the, the passage this morning. Acts chapter two. Can we can we brighten these lights up just a little bit up here? Is that it? Anybody got some glasses I can borrow? Brother, I know it gets brighter. There we go. A little confession, I'm getting old and I don't see as well as I used to. So let's read this passage together. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And this is the, the passage that talks specifically about the big church becoming the little church. The big church becoming everydayers, and it's and why it's important for us to become everydayers. So, Acts chapter two, starting in verse forty-two, it says, "They, this is the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching." Could say, Pastor Chris's teaching. It doesn't, but it could. All right, to and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Becky, has Chris done miraculous wonders and signs? Absolutely. Right on. Very good. All right. So all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone that had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. How often did they meet? Every day in the temple courts. They had big church every day. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together and were glad with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. We have a picture in Scripture of what the first church looked like, of what the early church looked like, what the habits were, what, their, what they were doing every single day. It says they were, they were going to church every day. They were meeting in the temple courts. They were going to each other's homes, and they were breaking bread. They were eating together. They were having fellowship. They were enjoying each other's company. If this is something that happens in Scripture, and we try to live our lives to match what happens in Scripture, maybe this is a pretty good indication. Maybe this is a pretty good picture of what church needs to look like for us. Now, please don't hear me say that, I'm, that I think that we should meet in here every Sunday and do, or every day of the week and do, do praise and worship and, and, and do a worship service like this. But what I'm saying is that this big church... Everydayers needs to it needs to be funneled down into small churches throughout the week, and those small churches look like life groups. Those small churches look like life life groups on Wednesday night, looks like life groups on Sunday night, looks like life groups on Sunday morning, Monday night, whenever we want to meet. But it's important for our big church to realize that in order for us to match what God's word says, that it needs to become a small church. That we're everydayers. In a big group setting, and we're everydayers in a small group setting. It has to be a priority. Just like building relationships has to be a priority. If, we're gonna, if, if, if they're going to be quality relationships, same thing has to happen in our church small groups. We have to do some work. We have to 
to give some, some effort. Psalms chapter 34, verse 3 says, Glorify the Lord with me and let's exalt his name together. Scripture sets a precedence on what our responsibility is. Calls us to come together to, to worship and to magnify him. I get this picture when it says, "Come." I think some translations say, come magnify the Lord with me. And so it's this picture of making God bigger, giving people a clearer image of who God is. It's like if I'm right here and the world is is behind me and I'm and I have this magnifying glass and I'm and I'm pointing it towards symbolically towards God. I give the earth, I give the world, I give my neighbors, I give my friends, I give the church a clearer image of who God is when it says come magnify God with me. Listen, if you're not doing what you need to be doing, if you're not going to the places that you need to be going, i.e. big church, i.e. little church, then you can't give people a clear indication of what God looks like. You just can't. You can't do all the stuff that you want to do apart from God throughout the week and then come on Sunday morning and give, and give somebody a clear image of who God is on, on Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or a Sunday night. It needs to be something that happens in our life every single day. Are we on different spots? Are we on different planes? Are we on different, different paths to get there, different process along the way, different stages along the way? Absolutely. And that's why it's important for us to get together because there are some folks that have gone down that trail. There are some folks that have gone down that path, and they have a lot of experience to be able to help those people that are still going through it. Older couples that have gone through families and, and their kids are graduated and off on their own, now they have grandbabies. What a resource it is for those young families that have small kids and the struggles that they have about how to, how to make sure the mom and dad stay connected because they're so busy with dealing with kids' stuff. It's, it's vital that we have connections, we have relationships with folks that have been through that. It's a resource that you don't have to pay for other than time, effort, and energy. So we have to get plugged in. Second thing I want you to see is Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. Says, and I believe these are all in your notes if you, ha- if you got a, a, a program when you came in. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how to spur on one another toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, when you leave big church on Sunday morning, there's, uh, there should be a sign out of every church parking lot that says that you're entering the mission field when you leave this, this property or the property of the church because your house is a mission field if you have people in your home that don't have a relationship with God. Your neighbor, that's your mission field. The person in the cubicle next to you at work, that's your mission field. And it says that we need to encourage everyone to meet together. That's our responsibility. How many of you, how many of you enjoy church? How many of you enjoy coming Sunday morning? I'm not going to ask who doesn't because there might be a show of hands. I don't want to, I don't want to go there. Okay? But if you enjoy being here, if you enjoy the relationship that you've, that you've gained since you started coming here, why would you not want to tell somebody about that? You're not going to be around my family very long until you, until you hear about Second Baptist Church or the people that we know that are attending Second Baptist Church. We don't go to Walmart without seeing somebody from Second Baptist Church. We, we go to restaurants. Guess who we see? People from Second Baptist Church. Because it's part of who we are. It's, it, it's, it's, our, it's our makeup. And so it's important for us to get to know those folks. And we're relatively new to this church as well. We don't know, I know a lot of faces, but I don't know a lot of names. And so it's my goal to start putting some names with those faces. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Don't leave here on Sunday morning not meeting somebody new. It, you know, be intrusive. 
You go up to somebody, they look like they're not wanting to talk to somebody. Guess what? How you doing? My name is Mike. And your name is? I mean, it requires effort, requires some work. So let's work on building some relationships. Not only do everydayers participate in big church worship, but everydayers engage in little church fellowship. And there's four things that I want us to look at when it comes to this fellowship that the early church experienced. Very verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and to prayer. So there's, there are some requirements, there are some steps, there are some ingredients to what it looks like to have small church fellowship. First thing I want you to see is that the small church everydayers have to be relational. We need to know people by names. There in the third book of John, New Testament, verse 14, he says, The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. How important it is to you for somebody to know your name? It's, it's so much more personal for someone to say, Hey, Mike. Hey, Brian. Hey, Cheryl. Hey, then, man, what's your name? Man, we've met 17 times, and you still don't know my name? It's important for us to learn names. Some of, some of us have a more difficult time than others remembering names. Yeah, I get that. I'm getting old. The gray hairs are starting to show that. And sometimes I don't remember names. And so there's nothing wrong by saying, please forgive me. I know that I've met you a million times, but I just can't remember your name. That, is, that sounds a whole lot better than, man, what is your name? I, so this, this work on getting to know people's names. We have to be relational. Get to know, get to know somebody that, that you haven't met. I know, I know this is not Baptist, but sometimes switch it up. Sit in a different seat. How many of you, be honest, how many of you sit in, within a seat or two, pew or two, in the same spot every Sunday morning? Right? No, 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 we're not doing this. Raise them high. Okay? All right. We are, we are creatures of habit. So what, would it, what, what do you think it would do if you changed a different spot? It would throw everybody off. Absolutely. Somebody make, please, if you're here and you, and, you, and you hear this right now, and next Sunday somebody's sitting in your spot, don't come up to them and say, hey, my name is Mike, and you're in my spot, and you need to move. <laughs> That's not the kind of relational I'm talking about, okay? But just maybe sit in a different spot so you get to meet some new faces. We went on, on mission trip to Puerto Rico this summer. And I was able to, my wife and I and daughter, we were able to, to meet some folks that we've seen a bunch, but we just didn't get to know. And we were blessed so much by getting to see their hearts because we're in here for an hour, hour and a half on Sunday morning, and then we go do our thing and they go do theirs. And so it's real difficult for us to get to see who somebody really is. And so on this mission trip, Good glory, you got to see people for who they really were um, with sweat and not a lot of time to, to get up and do hair and makeup and all that kind of stuff. But you got to see people who, who they really were and then you got to see their hearts. And so that was really, really awesome for us to be able to be a part of. That happens in small group. happens whenever you meet in someone's home, whenever you meet in a, in a room where you kind of let your hair down a little bit and say, you know what, hey, I'm really struggling with this. This has been a really... This is a, we're having trouble with our teenagers. We're, 
my my senior my mom who is elderly is having medical issues and I don't I don't have anybody to help and they're a long way away and I just need I need some prayer whatever it is requires us to be vulnerable allows requires us to to be to have our stuff out there for people to know what's going on in here people people can't help they can't be relational they can't love like they like they want to if they don't know what's going on in your life so they require some transparency and that's difficult that's it's um, it's threatening when you're transparent because you can be taken advantage of. Welcome to relationships. It happens. Okay, church people are no different than than anybody else out there, but God requires us to love. Why? Because He first loved us. Every dayers are involved in small group fellowship. They need to be working on their relationships. Secondly, is they're every dayers when it comes to learning Scripture, when it comes to learning the Bible. What did it say in, in, in Scripture there? It says they, they devoted themselves to the, apostle, the apostles' teaching. It requires us, folks, it requires us to know what this says. Let's just say that I get up here and, and I say some things and, and um, you just kind of, I say that, let me give it, I don't even know, I don't have a good example here, that um, Paul in the New Testament was married and had four kids. Okay. Scripture doesn't say anything about him being married and say anything about him having kids. But let's just say that Paul had a wife and four kids, that Mike said that. Did I just give him an extra kid? I said four kids twice. Okay. All right. So, but you walk out of here and say, okay, man, I didn't know that Paul had his wife and had four kids. He doesn't. Not that we know of in Scripture. But you just take that because I said that. And somebody else who's in here is going to say, man, I've read the Bible. A bunch of times, and I don't remember anywhere in Scripture where it says Paul was married. But you're not going to know that if you don't study God's Word. So my challenge to you is make sure that you know what this says. That you hold whoever is up here accountable for what's being said. Because I guarantee you, Chris doesn't want to say anything from the pulpit that doesn't match up with what God's Word. I don't want to say anything that doesn't match up with what God's Word says. Same thing that happens on Sunday morning, Sunday night for the small groups. We want, we want our words to match God's word. But listen, you need to know what God's word says as well. You need to be studying God's word. There is a cool app. How I many of you have a smartphone? Everybody's got a phone, probably. You've got a smartphone. There's an app on your phone um, that has a Bible on there. And on, thank you, right there. She's, she's got it pulled up. She's got, her, she's got this passage already pulled up. On that same app, there are daily devotionals for you to be able to read. Devotionals, whether it's a, a little story or a devotional to read through the Bible every day. My wife and I, that's how we close out our night. We, we get into bed and we push open the app and we read uh, our, our scripture for the day. We read an Old Testament passage. We read a New Testament passage, a, a Psalms and a Proverbs. And so you know what that does? It, it allows some accountability for us. It allows what God is speaking to my wife about in scripture it allows her to be able to, to share that with me right there. Same thing in my own life with her. It requires some, some connectiveness when it comes to the Word of God. And so I encourage you, challenge you, whatever other adjective you want to use. Get into God's Word. Study God's Word. This is the only thing that's going to protect you. Remember when Jesus was, was tempted by Satan? How did he respond? He responded with the Word. And so it's our protection. It's our sword. This is how we, this is how we fight with Scripture, this is how we fight with, with, with God's Word. So not only do everydayers need to be relational, not, not only do they need to be learners of the Word, but we need to be connected by fellowship. I think that we really do a good job with 
with this on the most part. We like to be together. I think that most people like to be together. And so what, how, do, how do Baptists get together? What, what's one of the things that we bring with us when we get together? Man. Absolutely. And we have some people in this church that can make some really, really, really good food. And so let's, let's work on making sure that people that we don't know have a chance to be able to participate in something like that. There is nothing that, that's less threatening for us to get together and go do lunch. Whether you have somebody over to your house and do lunch, hey, let's go meet at a local eating establishment to have some lunch so that I can get to know you, so that you can get to know me, find out what's going on in our lives. We need to work on this relationship. We need to work on this relationship. Make sure that when we come in here, I would love for it to be to, to the point where when a new face walks in this, this door back here or this door, that everybody in here knows there's a new face here because you're that relational, because you're working on relationships that much, because people need to know that they're loved. People need to know that they feel welcomed in here. And so if you are a visitor this morning, we have no excuse to not say hi to you this morning. Mike has said we need to be relational. God's Word says that we need to be relational. So if we're not relational, shame on us. I'll own that right now. And so please, church, don't let anybody out of here. Even if you've seen them a million times, say hi to them this morning. Make people feel welcome. Make people feel loved. Acts chapter verse 46 and 47, it says, Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the typical course. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. What happens? What's the benefit of this of them doing this? Look at verse 47. Praising God and enjoying favor with all people. Listen, when the church is acting like the church, it impacts the community. Hear me when I say that. When the church acts like the church, the community knows. We recently had an opportunity to act like the church. With all the stuff that happened with the flooding, Second Baptist Church got to act like the church. Or we welcomed people in those doors over there, gave them a place to sleep, fed them, not just all by second. Don't, please don't hear me say that. There were other people in our community that acted like the church as well. This just happened to be the location where these people were able to sleep and they were able to eat. As a matter of fact, I see faces in here this morning that were part of that group that are still here right now. And I guarantee you, <clears throat> um, it is because the church was acting like the church to those folks. That's why they're here this morning. It wasn't because the food was outstanding. It wasn't because those cots were so comfortable. It's because we loved like God tells us that we're supposed to love. That's what it's about, church. Getting past ourselves. He said, he says they sold their possessions to give to somebody who had need. People brought things, brought clothes, brought food, brought paper goods, brought water. There's a million different things. We had to tell people stop. We don't even have room for it all anymore. Because the church was being the church. That's what we're called to do. 
when somebody has a need, somebody needs something, we rally and we, we, get, we take care of that need. So we're relational. Everydayers are learners. Everydayers are connected by fellowship. And everydayers, everydayers, listen to this. This is a hard one for some of us. Part of it is hard. We're ministry-minded. When I say ministry-minded, what I mean by that is that whenever we see a need, we see somebody that needs help, most of us, it's real easy for us to want to go help those folks. But when we're on the receiving side of that ministry is when we typically have the difficulty. For whatever reason, because we're proud, because we don't want people to know that we have a need, that we're hurting, that we're without. We have to get past that. Scripture says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 13 and 14, Paul's talking and he says, I, It was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as I were an angel of God, if I were Christ Jesus himself. Paul was struggling. He went to the church there, and they loved him, welcomed him, cared for him like he was one of their own. I would love for everybody who comes into that door, that door, every Sunday morning, feel like they've been here for 10 years because we love them so much, because we care for them so much. We don't let them walk out of here thinking, hey, man, that's, that, that, that church is stuck up. That church is rude. That church is not very friendly. I would rather be taken advantage of a million times by somebody who's trying to, to get something from me, but me being transparent by me being loving than for me to be unfriendly, for me not to be caring about somebody. Take advantage of me. I don't care. We need to be ministry-minded. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Carry each other's burdens in this way, that you will fulfill the law of Christ. Somebody has a problem, what are we supposed to do, church? We're supposed to help however we can. We're supposed to love however we can. We're supposed to minister however we can. What are those? What kind of cups? Coffee cups. <clears throat> you think these are brand new? I have no idea how old these coffee cups are. But I will tell you, I'm 48 years old. And as far back as I can remember... Our dinner table, every morning, my mom and dad would drink coffee out of cups just like this. I don't even know who makes these. And I can't see it to tell you. <laughs> who is it? Fire King. Denise and I were in, there's a store here on the square on the corner. I can, I can never remember the name of the place. Kate's Corner. Cats. Sorry. Um, these were on a shelf <clears throat> in that store. And I saw them from across the room. And, and you know where I went in, in my mind? I was seven years old again. 
watching my mom and dad drink coffee. I drank coffee as a kid of a cup just like this. Come back to um, Sunday school, life group, small group on Sunday morning. And I'm telling our class what we did the day before at this store and saw these cups. A couple of days later, a couple in our class shows up. And they have these two cups. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> they got us these cups. I, have, I don't even look at the price when we were in the store. They bought us these two cups because they know they touched our heart when we saw them. That's what the church is. The church recognizes and sees when people are hurting, when there's a connection, when there's a need, and they go out and and they fulfill that need. They love, they hug, they bring a dish, they whatever it looks like. It looks different for in, in, for a number of different folks. What I'm asking you to do is I'm asking you to get plugged in and making the big church a little church. You get to know people. You allow people to get to know you. Is it messy? Absolutely. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Let's pray together. Father, your word is real clear in Acts chapter 2 of what the early church looks like. And Father, our desire is to honor you with everything that we do here at Second. Father, by the songs that we sing, the, the ministry on Wednesday night with the Wannets, to our Sunday morning classes, to our Wednesday life groups, to the new life groups that we'll be starting. Father, everything that we do and say, we want to point people towards you. And so, Father, I pray that if we're sitting here today and and we're not plugged in, that we're not connected, and we know if we're connected or not. We know if we've invested. We know if we've been transparent to people and allowing people to get to know us and us putting forth the effort to get to know them. But Father, your word is real clear that we need to be together, not just big church, but Father, little church as well. So Father, I pray that you would just touch our hearts, give us a passion, give us a burden to be connected. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.